Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Hello, everybody. Um, Welcome to Revolution. Um, I am taping this. It's... Kids just started Christmas holiday today. Uh, it's I'm taping this on December 17th. So I have the kiddos uh, constantly, no, up all this weekend. So I just wanted to go ahead and get, do the talk. And you can make your comments still and things like that. I'll come in and check them out. Maybe we have some chats later. But I am um, a bit uh, excited about today's talk. Um, because it is inspired by uh, Emancipation After Hegel, which is a book by Todd McGowan. So we have a little bit of Todd McGowan, who I got to meet at uh, Wake in Northern Ireland, Belfast, and hang out with him and spend some time with him. And he's really influenced my work heavily. Once again, Pete Rollins' connection there. And um, as you guys know, I talk about Hegel a lot and really dig him. Um, and I think we're going to kind of look at a verse that I think a lot of us struggle with and have probably talked about, uh, before in uh, Matthew. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about today's thing, uh, today's talk. Uh, so today is officially, you can hear kids playing outside in the park. Um, today is officially, um, my last day of 45, being 45 years old. So Saturday, tomorrow, I turn 46. Ugh, just getting older. Part of life, I guess. It is part of life, actually. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so there's a playground out, outside of my apartment Unfortunately, it's all wrapped up and they don't let the kids play in it because of COVID. So it's funny because all the kids just go out and play around the playground. Um, I'm sure there's a, a talk or a sermon there as well. All right, so let's get into this. Um, last week was kind of a, a real personal, like I'm going through a lot. And this week is going to kind of be, let's focus on theology and philosophy. Um, Matthew 5.17 um, it says, uh, this is, this is one of Jesus's quotes that I've heard argued a lot and people always are curious, like, what does it mean? What does this actually mean? And it's, um, it starts in, um, Matthew 5, 17, it says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but fulfill the law. Um, and of course, you have Paul talking about the abolishment of the law, and there's no more law. The best way not to have to worry is not to have a law, and then you know we say there's no law and all this kind of stuff, and people want to want to debate about it and talk about it, and kind of I think often try to want to prove why the law is, is still there. Sorry, I was using some of my kids' Pokemon cards as bookmarks in my Bible, and they're very slick, so they're all falling out. Um, but yeah, so 
what does Jesus mean by abolish the law? So um, what we're going to do is we're going to look a little bit further into what Jesus had to say about that as well as Paul, of course, said about that and what Paul built on that, but what Jesus built on that as well. And where we come to an understanding of what does the fulfillment actually mean? Um, you know, so let's look at that. Um, I'm going to start out with reading, I'm going to read a couple parts of um, The Emancipation After Hegel, which is uh, by Todd McGowan. It's a good book. I highly recommend it. Um, and if you read it, you probably won't need me around. Um, but yeah, no, it's a it's an incredible book, and that's really what got me into Hegel. Um, but he's talking about Hegel here, and if you don't know, Hegel was and is uh, probably one of the greatest philosophers of all time, also one of the most complicated philosophers of all time, very hard to understand. And um, some philosophers even write him off as, as just being ridiculous and too hard to understand. Um, but there are people like Zizek and, and McGowan and uh, Pete Rollins, who, uh, and myself now, who feel that Hegel is extremely important. And um, really interesting is his views on Christianity as a philosopher. Um, and how much, I'm always interested in that because I, I kind of bridge the gap with philosophy with Tillich and of course Pete's a philosopher who's my friend, but kind of bridge that philosophy theology thing and realizing how much those two have in common and how many, many philosophers really use the Bible and also seeing Paul the apostle as a bit of a, as a philosopher as well. Um, but Hegel, in his early career, kind of saw Christianity no different than any other religion and just thought religions were religions. Um, but, but a little bit later in, in his career, he started to see something about Christianity that stood out a little bit. And so it's interesting to look at that because he's coming from a perspective that's a critical thinking perspective and uh, from a philosophical perspective. And, and why would he say that? Um, how does even if you just think of the three major Aramaic, uh, Aramaic uh, the three major Abraham Abrahamic <laughs> religions from Abraham, you know, um, Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Um, but it says this: when Hegel turns his uh, turns from his critique of Christianity for its positivity to his embrace of it. He singles out the Christian commandment, commitment to love as a religion definition feature, where all religions propagate the moral law. Uh, only Christianity introduces love as the source of a bond that goes beyond produced by the moral law. From this moment, Hale can no longer treat religion in a rel relativic fashion, but this turns also creates a significant more radical thinker. The embrace of Christian uh, radicalizes Hegel as a thinker and enables him to theorize 
and radicalate, radicality of Christianity. Um, I'm probably reading that wrong a little bit, but that's okay. Uh, in Hegel's hands, Christianity becomes the most revolutionary religion ever conceived. So that's pretty interesting, um, especially since if you're watching this, you've probably either part of Christianity or come from Christianity or are deconstructing Christianity. So that's that, that's a very interesting thing is that, that, that Hegel, one of the greatest philosophers of all time, one of the greatest thinkers of all time, uh, looks at Christianity and sees it as uh, the most uh, radical religion ever conceived, that Christianity is completely radical. And there's many reasons for that. I mean, we go into the death of God and all kinds of things like that. But today we're going to look at what we just were talking about in Matthew is um, what, what Jesus talks. There goes another <laughs> Pokemon card. I, I'm going to have to look up all these verses now. Um, they're just too smooth, too smooth cards. Um, but what, what does, what does Jesus mean when he, he, he said, I, I've already given away, but what did Jesus mean when he said, I've come to fulfill the law, you know, not to, not, not to abolish it, but to fulfill it. So we're going to kind of go through this with McGowan, Hegel, Jesus, Paul, um, and John, in the Gospel of John, 13. It's really weird how many love verses are in the chapter 13. I'm just going to say that, that if, my dad, if I was my dad, I would find extreme significance in that. And I might still find significance in that, to be honest with you. Just an odd coincidence. Um, 1334 says, uh, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples at the Last Supper. And he says, um, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. I love the, the redundance there. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this is like, what's new about loving one another as a commandment? Um, but this is, Jesus is making a pretty clear statement and it almost is that this is the moment where the law is being fulfilled, if you will, is he's saying, this is the commandment. This is it, love one another. By following this commandment, people will know that you belong to me. Now, what's interesting about this is that obviously this is probably not the first thing that people think about when they think about Christianity, but also is what it is to love one another and to love others. And even the idea of loving your neighbor as yourself, and we'll see how Hegel struggles with that. And I think I agree with Hegel on this uh, on his, I don't think it's actually a struggle. I just think he's he's uh, doing theology and just is translating, you know, deconstructing and translating in the correct way. To be honest with you, I think he's just he's interpreting the verses in in, in a more radical way, which seems to make sense. But um, it's not necessarily loving the things that we see in ourselves and others. What we usually love about others is what 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 difference what makes them different from us. 
their uniqueness and um, that allows us to love them. But by loving them and loving their uniqueness, but loving them as ourselves, what it does is it creates them as an equal. You see what I'm saying? So um, we're saying we, we're going to love each other and we're going to be equally human in this. And, and Paul talks about that. There's neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile. And Paul talks a lot about love and things like that. So this idea that love is also something where you, you're not necessarily ignoring differences. You're embracing differences, but at the same time, you're embracing humanity and you're embracing the equality of the human being, um, which is really kind of a beautiful thing if, if you think about it. Um, what draws us to people and why we're called to love each other. So Paul is is talking to the disciples, love each other, really love each other. And people will know you belong to because they'll see you caring for each other and loving each other, not giving up on each other, um, helping carry one another's burdens, you know, forgiving each other, you know, all the different things that come along with love, um, being patient with each other. Um, and, uh, humanity with love you know those two come together and i think what we when we kind of mix those two together is what we get is a grace um because that's when you start thinking of like cancellation canceling people or letting people go or casting them aside or casting them out you know when you love someone you don't want to see that and if you think about yourself you don't want to see that with yourself either so in some ways you're able to love in that way of going well i wouldn't want these this to happen to me you know, so I want them to be loved in the way that I'd want to be loved. I want them to be treated in the same way I'd want to be treated. And once again, you start to come down to an equal thing. And we talk a lot about equality in this world, but sometimes I don't think we really want it. Um, I think we sometimes just want to change one hierarchy for another hierarchy. And um, and we we don't realize, that, you know, what true equality would look like and what that would actually mean. Um, but that's also probably a couple more talks for that kind of thing. But that, I just want to touch bases on that. So what, you know, so what I said is what makes this, uh, this thing a new idea of Jesus saying love each other? Well, he's saying this is, this, is, this is a new, brand new commandment. This is a commandment, you know. And, and Jesus was known for changing things around. You know, he said, you've heard it said, you know, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. I say, you know, love your enemy and do good to your enemy as well. Pray for them, you know, and, you know no longer an eye for an eye or two, turn the other cheek. You know, all this kind of ideas of, of, of Jesus came and he changes things with this concept of love. And for some reason, this ideal of love really stuck out to Hegel because he says this is, this is it, 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 it's the foundation of this faith. It's what changes this faith from others. I mean, people don't realize like the first, I think, 400 years of Christianity was completely nonviolent. Um, if you really understand Christianity, you're not going to find in, in the New Testament, you're not going to find excuses for violence. Um, you're not going to find excuses to, to let go of people. I mean, grace is really a, a tough thing and it really causes us to love in such a deep, different way, in such a deeper way. Um, that it's something we will probably, you know, you'd be working to until the day you die, until you get to the grave as this type of love. But this is also the beautiful thing of Christianity. This is what I like about Christianity. This is why I am a Christian. You know, this is why I consider myself a Christian. 
I, I might not consider myself a confessional Christian necessarily, but I consider myself a Christian because of these ideals and why I keep coming back from this and why I, 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 it's always going to be in, uh, the, in the roots of my foundation of my work is this concept uh, Jesus brought and, 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 and Paul works with, and, you know, this concept of what Christianity really is. And this is a faith and a religion based on love. And to me, that's really cool. And it's not hippy-dippy or anything like that. It's, it's really hard work. It's really tough stuff to do. Um, it, it, it's often hard to celebrate people's differences when their differences aren't necessarily those things that draw you into them and their uniqueness. But that's why, that's why we talk about arguing well, uh, having the tough conversations, um, because that allows us to see one another's humanity through that process and at the same time, by recognizing the other's humanity, empathizing, sympathizing, you know, the next thing you know, um, love comes to town. So quote Bono. Um, everybody's favorite. Um, 20 years ago. Um, so the new commandment. It's the new commandment. Love each other. In Hegel's hands, uh, McGowan says, Christianity becomes the most revolutionary religion ever conceived. It embraces love as an actualization of the law, an actualization that makes possible a new way of communal living. Rather than relying purely on restrictiveness of the law to bind us together, rather than saying, we are bound together by the things we don't do. Um, we recognize the bond that occurs through love. Love reveals that our relationship to the other is never external relation, but always an eternal one that shapes our own identity. It's true, you know. Um, love announces the subject as divided in itself and thereby invaded by the other, which is fantastic because we're all divided and split. And, and I've learned that and, and, and going to see my analyst. Um, the Christian commandment of universal love becomes in Hegel's eyes, the, the intactment of contradiction. The enactment, the Hegel's eyes become the enactment of contradiction. I am both myself and other. So when we love the other, I am myself and I am the other. I, uh, it's almost like pure empathy in some ways. I understand. Enable subject to engage with a disturbance of the other as constitutive of their own identity. So we're able to enter into this... What? Hegel calls a disturbance. We're able to enter into this and, and be the other and, and relate to the other with this, this, even within our conflict. Despite his newfound appreciation for the Christian revolution, Hegel does not, oh, well, you know, let's get into that in a minute. But let's look at this. The embrace, it embraces love as an actualization of the law, an actualization that makes possible a new way of communal living, rather than relying purely on restrictiveness of law to bind us together, we recognize the bond that occurs through love. Love reveals our relationship to the other. 
And it's always exposing that to us internally and through our own heart, and through our own lives, and through our own experiences with the other. Um, it, it's pretty radical because also the, part of it is by seeing the contradiction is what else helps us realize this love within us and within the other and in ourself, um, if that makes sense. I know it gets a little bit deep, especially when you're talking about Hegel. Um, even when you've got someone as uh, cruel as, as Todd explaining it, it still gets a little bit confusing. Um, but I'm taping today, so if it wasn't taping, we'd just do Q&A and buff that out. Um, in uh, Romans... Thirteen, and we are again in another thirteen. Eight through ten. This is really great. All right, let's look at this. This is very cool. So, what did Christ mean by "I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it"? You know, and so I give you that. I want you to love each other, but that's obviously not completely clear that I'm right on that. <laughs> but let's see what Paul has to say. In uh, Romans 13. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And any other commandments are summed up in this word, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to the neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling a fulfilling of the law. So the law is fulfilled through love, is what the Apostle Paul says. Um, so what does Jesus do to fulfill the law is he brings us this new thing of love your neighbor, love your enemy, love each other. I want you to love each other as I love you which doesn't mean always agreeing. It doesn't mean not arguing. It doesn't mean you don't turn tables over every now and then. It doesn't mean you don't have conflict. You know, it doesn't mean you don't argue well. You know, all those things are, 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 are is, is, Jesus is saying love like I've loved and Jesus shows us these examples. Um, Jesus doesn't seem to love anybody perfectly. Sometimes he has to be reminded of, of uh, what he's doing. Um, you know, when the Gentile woman at the table, even dogs get crumbs from the tables, for example. Um, but I use all that and say all that so we can kind of recognize the idea of, of uh, love is, is never easy. Um, love will always uh, be a challenge and always offer us contradictions to wrestle with and different things like that. Um, but here we have it. Paul's saying that this is what the fulfillment is. Um, Paul made it clear, you know, love fulfills the law. When we love each other, we fulfill the law. Now, Paul says love is self. Now, what's interesting here is how Hegel struggles with this idea of love yourself. And I think finds a deeper meaning in it um, through it and gives us almost uh, a clearer interpretation of it. So I, I don't know. I, I think it's good that we struggle with things because sometimes we find out the deeper truth to it. Um, despite his newfound appreciation, this is Todd talking about Hegel again, uh, for the Christian revolution, Hegel does not accept everything that Christ has to say. 
He even questions the way that Christ formulates his most important statement. Following Kant, but for a different reason, Hegel cannot wholeheartedly accept Christ's injunction to love one's neighbor as self. The problem is not that Hegel cannot imagine individuals capable of loving others with the same intensity that they love themselves, which is typical of cynical response to this injunction. Instead, he rejects out of hand the possibility of self-love, which reveals exactly the role that he gives to love in his philosophy. He writes, Love thy neighbor as thyself does not mean to love him as much as yourself, for self-love is a word without meaning. You know, and this is something that we hit on all the time at Revolution when we talk about this, is people say, well, what if I don't love myself? Or I don't understand loving myself. Um, I struggle with loving myself. What does that mean? And... And Hegel sees it to be to have no meaning because he believes that there has to be something else there in order to love. Uh, let's just look at it a little bit further before we... Christ's commandment does not make sense to Hegel because his conceives love as necessarily involving the other. So because he conceives love as necessarily involving the other. So for him, it's almost what he's saying is... is through loving the other is the only way you're really going to learn to love yourself because it's almost impossible to love yourself without having another. Um, I guess maybe what I would argue a little bit with Hegel is that sometimes the split in our ourselves uh, with psychology. Sometimes I, I, you know, I feel like I've got like this grown up and then this child and then they're split and I, I'm not figuring out how to do, and I have to learn how to love the other. So sometimes I feel like there is this idea of, of work that I have to do within myself to learn how to love myself. But I do give this, uh, uh, this Hegelian concept is that, yes, I believe there needs to be another to help us realize how to do that. Um, often in therapy, people will say, would you treat others the way the same way you would treat yourself? Would you say things to others that you say to yourself? Um, my, I had a DBT therapist, uh, dialectic behavioral therapy therapist named Tammy Tucker. She's amazing. If you're in Minnesota, I recommend her highly. Um, but she would always say, would you say this to anybody in the congregation? Would you say to this, anybody at revolution, would you say these things that you think about yourself to anybody else in your community? And, um, no, the answer is no. <laughs> There's a lot of things I say to myself that I would never say to others. So for me, looking at this radical interpretation Hegel's struggling with, I'm going like, no, this makes sense. But in some ways, I don't think self-love doesn't make any sense because for me, only when I do love the other, first of all, what, how do I love God when I can't see God, put my hands on God? What do I love when I don't, when I love my God? I feel like that question is answered with, I love the other. Hegel's saying, well, how do you love without, you have to have another to love. There has to be another object to love. So I love the other. But for me is what I learned from loving others and being in relationship with others is necessarily maybe how I want to be treated um, and maybe how I need to love myself better. That maybe I need to 
love myself as I love my neighbor. Uh, love myself as I love people in my own community. Love myself as I, I love my best friend or love myself as I love uh, my partner. Or, you know, I mean, that type of thing is, is, is learning how to, to do that and handle that and work within the split within my own self and the contradictions in my own life and to embrace those better. So um, that might be somatics here. It might be that I need a, a deeper understanding, but I'm just giving you my, where I am right now on, you know, December 17th, 2021. Um, so that's where Hegel is with that. As a result, Hegel interprets Christ's commandment as a signifying that one must love the other as a being akin to oneself, not as superior or inferior. Now, I love that, not as superior or inferior. Must love the other as not being... And I think he nails it again because I think Paul goes on to say this later, you know, with in Galatians, neither male nor female, Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, all one in Christ. Is this idea is that we don't have anybody who's superior to us or inferior to us. Paul does this really well too when he talks about going and meeting with the disciples and said, you know, what they said to me didn't really matter. You know, what about, you know, people in position of power and thing you have to respect, you know? Um, but what's interesting is he's talking about the disciples who were the head of the church and he's part of the church. But what he's saying is, he goes, God shows no favorites. That's just it. There's no hierarchy, there's no lowarchy, there's just people, there's just us. And could you imagine if we learned to live that way and uh, learned to live life in the way where we just saw humans as humans and we treated each other as human beings? Um, you know, it makes me think of of, of, of Dr. King's speech. Well, you know, they will not, you know, we will not uh, be judged by the color of our skin, but by the contact of our character. You know, um, and Christianity take it even deeper is by humanity. But even the contact of our character, if we start doing that, and it doesn't matter what your sexuality is, what your uh, race is, what your what your uh, financial status is. Um, uh, but what matters is, is, is your character as a human being. That would be a really great place to start. Um, but unfortunately, we, we, we like to think shallow and identify each other through like, oh, well, they like to do this with those people, or they look like this, or they celebrate this way, or they have this much money, or they have this, you know, and the capitalism comes in and, and puts a worth on, on everyone and, and uh, a value on, on people. I'm really trying not to get into that part of the conversation right now, but Hegel, Hegel's pushing me a little bit. Um, so here we have is the fulfillment of law, and we have someone like Hegel saying, this is the big deal, and um, but we see no one as superior or inferior. Um, and I think for a lot of us who struggle with things, we have a hard time probably not seeing, uh, feeling inferior to others. But that's... He's, Hegel's trying to explain is that that's part of loving others. You know, when the self comes in, is us not feeling inferior? Is us feeling human? And us willing to argue well and have the tough conversations? And uh, to me, I, I think that's a pretty punk rock understanding of humanity is saying, well, we're going to speak the truth to each other. And um, we're going to speak the truth because we're human. You know, and that's how we're going to do it. Um, 
I've often seen, I've been in, in situations where I've seen people speak truth to people and they go, oh, I can't believe he said that to me. You know, I, I'm a woman and, and that was really offensive. And, and, and I was in an event one time when I saw that and they were talking about this person. I said, listen, I'm like, honestly, that had nothing to do with your gender. Uh, it had more to do with this guy is just really type A personality. <laughs> and he says that does the same shit to me all the time, you know. Um, he might be a little rough around the edges, but it, it wasn't, you know, this is just, this is how he treats everybody, you know. Um, but we interpret things based on our experiences and, and how we've been raised and what we're, what we've gone through. And so I didn't want to diminish that experience, but I also wanted to say, like, listen, I know this person and I, I, I think you're misreading it. Um, I think you just, if you're offended by anything, you should be offended by how blunt uh, this person is with the things that they say. Um, it wasn't meant uh, to talk down to you. Um, they might just have a fact of feeling the need to just talk that way to everybody. So maybe there just needs how they communicate needs to be changed, or we've got to understand some people communicate differently with us. You know, so. But that's the thing is that sometimes we often feel the inf we're often on the inferior side, and I think what's important about that is we need to realize that too. So we don't put people here. We don't put people here. We're always here, if that makes sense. And that is that Jesus saying, love each other as I love you. And Jesus always trying to speak the truth, the power of speaking truth to the Pharisees, speaking truth to the disciples, speaking truth to the woman at the well, uh, you know, speaking truth to the Roman government, um, you know, speaking truth to the religious hierarchy at the time um, is, is this idea of, of, of being a human and having a human experience. Um, so to me, this is, this is pretty radical stuff. But what makes me really excited about this is this concept of, of love. Because to me, love, faith, and grace are all intertwined. And so why grace, I always say grace is anarchy, is that if you use grace in the way that Tillich, not Tillich, uh, that Hegel is talking about love, um, then love starts to become an, anar an anarchist thing as well. Because it says, there's no institution that's going to tell me how to love or not love. I'm going to love this way across the board, no matter what the institution says. And if we truly understood this at this level of thinking, um, Christianity would look completely different and how we interact with one another would look uh, uh, different as well. Um, because we also wouldn't uh, allow ourselves to be so intimidated by certain people. You know, like when I would I used to argue with Calvinists all the time back when they really were after me. Um, sometimes I would be intimidated by their knowledge you know, they weren't smart. Um, they weren't stupid. You know, it wasn't arguing with like a crazy fundamentalist. It was arguing with somebody who knew their stuff. So, you know, I had to know my stuff and be sharp and we had to really have these hard conversations. But I often felt like this, you know, and unfortunately I never was trying to get here. I was either trying to get here or just go away. Um, and, and, and having to recognize this this idea of that we're humans with different understandings, different lessons that we've, things we've clinged on to, and how can we argue this out and how can we come to a better understanding and not let this person be an intimidating to me 
or the need to the need is never to be here. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of theology and a lot of theologians and a lot of understanding in Christianity is this idea is to have the better Christianity. I have the Christianity 2.0, you know, um, when it should be that we're all here trying to work this out together and not seeing this person because they have a better education here or here. We're just saying, hey, let's have this conversation and see, you know, because sometimes life experience and education, maybe lack of life experience can kind of bring us maybe just to a different place. Um, Hegel rewriting the Christian injunction, which I don't think he's rewriting. I just think he's giving it a deeper look at it, uh, or as Pete Rollins, a radical, uh, a radical interpretation. But I, I, I think he's going into a deeper look at it and just looking at it. He's just looking at it from a different perspective, honestly. Um, just really twisting the two around and saying, you know, uh, instead of love your neighbor as yourself, love your, love your neighbor and try to love yourself through that somehow. Um, for Hegel, the, uh, for Hegel, the impossible to love oneself. Love always involves an investment in the otherness. And so that's why he, he, he goes there. It's always investing in the otherness. Um, but something really beautiful happens, again, when, I, when we are investing in the otherness. And sometimes that otherness becomes part of us. Um, and I see it happen all the time in, in communities like this or in philosophical communities where we're talking, you know, in the philosophy community, talking about things, you learn things, oh, you add things, you take away things. I've also been sitting at groups where they were talking about philosophy and, I, and also with, with, uh, with theology as well, of course. But, you know, I was out one night with a bunch of people and they were all talking about Hegel. And I, I looked at Pete and I'm like, you know, it's really hard for me to hear other people talk about Hegel because I said, I, I know I only understand a little bit of it, but what I understand of Hegel is very personal to me, you know. And, um, and how I kind of see it is I see it in a different light. I don't see it through, uh, you, you know, through, through, through like, oh, this is something I've, I've gone to school to learn about. I see something, this is something that's helping me live life and help me live life well. It's, it's more of a personal experience um, than a scholastic experience. Um, but for Hegel, it is impossible to love oneself. Love always involves an investment in the others that would negate the subject through its call for love. So almost like to love others negates us. Um, but if you look at Paul, Paul says a lot of the sentiment love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. So there's a lot of self-negation. There's a lot of when Jesus says, you know, I died myself and that type of thing. There is negation there. So, I mean, I guess if I was in conversation with Hegel, these were questions I would ask. Um, yeah, probably if I sit down with, if we get to sit down with Todd, I'll ask him about this as well. It's kind of like, doesn't Paul say, kind of say that? Doesn't Jesus kind of say that? You know, is, is that there are times where we have to negate ourselves to love others, um, really in any situation, when we love. Um, there is a negation of self, uh, even with my own children or with my family. We're all about to figure that out through Christmas. Are we going to negate ourselves or are we going to take a stand and not negate ourselves? And why are we going to make it through the holidays? Um, you know, 
loving your enemies is one thing, but I love my family. What are you talking about? Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's the biggest trick, you know, like, hey, take all this that I'm saying and forget about your enemies. Christmas dinner, you know, enjoy that. Or Christmas weekend, you know, when you're all like just what's happening and politics come up or whatever, you know, it's like, how do I do that? And, um, but it is interesting that Hegel has this ideal of self-love. Cause I do think sometimes when we get into these ideas of, well, I'm going to have some self-care, self-love time, we start putting up walls to others, you know? And it's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to sit in my tub. I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to draw boundaries. And I don't think any of those things are wrong, but sometimes we end up losing touch with the other, with this concept of I'm number one, you know, or we can't sit in a community with others without that. They may say something that offends us. And all of a sudden we've become the, the most important object because how we feel is more important than the fact that there's a community here learning about things because something might make me upset or angry. And I think um, if we want to learn well, we've got to learn to sit into things and, and, and learn how not to react. Uh, if you really want to learn well, that you just learn. It, it doesn't have to shake your foundation. It may shake your foundation. I always think it's pretty cool when it does. Um, but it's also good to be able to just sit and hear about things. Because if you, if, if you can't sit in that, then you've got to understand what is, what is your foundation built on? You know, what, did you, what, are, what are your belief systems and your convictions built on if you can't have rough if you can't have hard, uh, if you can't even listen to uh, other thoughts or other ideas. There's something to think about. Uh, Christianity makes it clear identity is constantly involved with what would negate it. There you go. I didn't even, I should have read that before I went in to explain that whole thing I just did. And love is the experience of this involvement. So I really think, um, I like this. He goes on and ends this with, I just think, is we think contradiction through reason. Reason takes the place of love when we see that reason models itself on love. And I think that's a really beautiful thing that Todd says there, is like when we see that reasoning, we reason with one another is an idea of love. We reason together. We've come together and re to reason together. It doesn't mean that we're going to agree, but we're going to try to find reasons and reason allows that comes from love as the other we are going to try to reason with our family and in-laws uh, over christmas i got a really beautiful um email um i'm not able to be with my family this year and my ex-wife's family is in town and i said you know karen i know it's my year with the kids but you take the kids on christmas grandma's there grandpa's there everybody's there you know it's going to be a lot more fun than being in the apartment. And, um, and I got a really great email from my ex's mother saying, Oh, Jay, we appreciate it so much that you're letting the kids be with us. Cause you know, they, they're, they're from Switzerland. So they've COVID and all this stuff. I, I, and, and it was really lovely, you know, because here I am the ex-husband, you know, our divorce wasn't easy and, but we're still family. We still have these kids. And, um, you know, said, hey, listen, if you want to come up and spend some time with the kids and hang out with us as well, we'd love to have you. And it was just really kind of this beautiful thing of like, you know, what's important? Kids are important. Family's important. 
all the hell we went through and all the crazy stuff that that's over. You know, we continued, we go, we reason together because we love these children and because eventually, you know, and loving these children allows us to see each other in a different light in a different way. This, this connected passion and love for these people, these two people. And, and you see how that works. And so these love for these others allows me to come together with my ex-mother-in-law and have, you know, and I, I sent her an email back. I said, you know, this email made my day. You know, this really made my day. And so for me, that's kind of that fulfillment, that treating each other as equal. equal. The other is seeing each other as higher or lower, um, but recognizing that each person is valuable in this other thing we love's life. And so um, I was going to read to you in Galatians 5.14, but we're about to go through Galatians at the beginning of the year, but that's also where um, Paul talks about the whole law is summed up in love and says, don't bite and devour one another, you know, because the whole law is summed up in love. The whole law, the whole religion, the whole completion of Christianity is the fact that love is the law. Law is love. And Hegel is saying, I'm looking at different ways for us to see this and understand this. And is spending a lot more time thinking about this critically than probably the majority of anyone um, <laughs> at this time of what does love look like? What is love? What is love the other? What is self-love? And why does Christianity have this, its foundation on love? You'd never know it. You would think that the Christianity uh, was based on, um, on the law, on how we act and what we do and what we don't do or how we vote or how we think or what we do sexually or what we don't do sexually and all this stuff. But if you understand some, a simple understanding, of, I would say simple understanding of the Bible, I guess I've had years and years of studying it and going into it deeply, but it all comes back to the same thing my parents used to teach me is that God loves you, he really does. There's this concept of, you know, love, foundation, love, Christianity, love, Jesus, love, I died for us because he loved us. You know, <laughs> all this stuff. You know, everybody's like, oh, that's forgiveness of sins. But now our sins are counted against. It doesn't make any sense. Like if you think about Western Christianity and how it's been explained to us, if you start to look at it, like it doesn't make sense. I saw a meme the other day that was like, so you believe in an all loving, unconditional, loving God that lives in the sky who loves you unconditionally as long as you follow certain conditions. And I love putting stuff up like that because it just points out that like the true like ridiculousness of how we've worked this faith out and how we've turned Christianity into something that is not really it. And I guess this is what Re Reformation is, is, is um, for me, it's almost like reconstructing Christianity. It's like, guys, turned it into another thing. We have to take all these parts back and put it back into something that makes actual sense. And that calls us to live well and um, may have contradictions in it that are above truth, but aren't just these like complete contradictions that just don't make sense. Um, uh, that are just, you know, that they're things that if they do, if they do contradict, they must come together and contradict in a way that brings us to a higher truth and a higher understanding of, of love, of others, of grace. Um, 
so I guess the idea here is, is I feel like today is like, yes, when Jesus said, I've come not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, what he was saying was, is I'm fulfilling it with this. And the fulfillment is love and how it will be fulfilled is love and how people will recognize it is by love. And um, even in, in when Tillich, I mean, when Hegel says to neglect, you know, to love the other is almost to have the neglection of oneself. But in a way, that's what we have to do when we love others. In almost every situation is that we have to put others aside. And that's why I use my, my kids as an example uh, for during the holidays is that um, with my ex-mother-in-law and me, you know, we, we put other things aside because of love. You know, that, that's what love does, is it, it it covers a multitude of sins and causes a multitude of differences. Um, so maybe Hegel's wrong about loving self, maybe not, but I, I think one thing that Hegel should push us, pushes us to do is think well and think critically. And hopefully it will give us a new way of, well, how do I really love myself? Um, and that self-love always involves others in a way. Um, it's pretty interesting. I, I could go on all day because I can hear the disagreements that would come with people. I, I can almost hear them now. And I'll just continue to be like, use my kids as an example. Is like, um, you know, I, I had a meeting with uh, some rabbis, local rabbis in Seattle this weekend. It was a really great meeting. We had a great time. We talked a lot about stuff. I got to talk about Paul and that was really interesting. Um, but we talked about having family and balancing family and, 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 and work together and religious work and that kind of stuff. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I've got to take care of my kids a lot. Sometimes I have to record sermons. Some, I've had people say they think I'm putting God second, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, that's putting, you know, I said, God will always be second, uh, you know, to my children. And they're like, no, that's what loving God is, is loving your children, is loving these people, you know. And to me, that was such an affirmation of, uh, and kind of this beautiful thing to get this from somebody who's not even, you know, coming from Judaism and in some ways have kind of more of an understanding of what God is than I do. I have more of an understanding of what Christ is and we're still coming together going, but that's the concept is, is knowing where that love directs and where you're where where you as a human have to direct that love sometimes and uh so what i think we've we've done today is we realize that yes christ fulfilled the law but christ fulfilled the law with love and um there you go so when you guys get someone brings that up now we can argue it really well we can experience this and we can grow together and change together and kind of wrestle with this a little bit more um, I think we're going to, I'm going to try to get in a little bit deeper into what Hegel's disagreement with the, uh, the love of self, because I think it's important because I think we might be able to find better ways to do things. And, uh, I will reach out to Pete and also, uh, Todd McGowan and, and see if, um, they can give us some better insight. Maybe we could get Todd to come speak and then do a nice little Q and A with him. That would be very cool. Um, so let's fingers crossed on that because uh, Hegel's fascination with Christianity um, was really something I just found out through reading this book, um, reading Todd's book. And that's what threw me into Hegel because I was like, so maybe there is something really great about this after all. And maybe these ideas and these concepts that keep 
showing themselves to me are the actual ideas and concepts that the religion was founded on. And so I think there's good news. And um, I think this will, the church is not beyond repair. And I think reformation is possible. And um, it makes me happy to say I'm a Christian. All right. Thanks, everybody. Listen, um, if you like what we're doing, you like what I'm studying, I get to study because you guys uh, support this church and help me do that and give me time to read really long, crazy books like Todd's book or like another Hegel book I'm reading right now. Um, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and we moved up the donation stuff at the beginning at the top so you don't have to go to slash donations or anything. Um, especially end of the year, if you want to get your tax write-off, um, ain't no judgment there. I get it. Um, feel free to, to make a donation. Um, it's how we do our work and it would be great to start 2022 with a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of money in the account, kind of figure out where we're going and what we're doing and maybe even get some of your input on that as well. Love you so much. Thanks for tuning in and, uh, I should be live next week with you. So thanks a lot. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. 